You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. Live from Podcast Detroit and Rockin' Royal Oak, Michigan. It's time to take a leap of faith with Jackie, Rocky, Nora, and Gina for some entertainment and inspiration. Join them every Wednesday at noon. You can always find us at PodcastDetroit.com. I gotta ask, what were you born to do? What time is it? It's nooner time. Somebody bring me a mirror. You don't have a dozen for Lily? Not yet. No, I just showed no, Okay. Well, okay. Well, the show has started. So happy hosting. Hey, happy hosting. Welcome to Wednesday. Hi, happy ladies. Happy I'm late Halloween. at hosting. Happy Halloween. Is Ugh. that your? Huh? Ugh. Uh, Nora, <laughs> welcome back. How was yeah. your trip? Uh, it was. It was good. I think we. It was. Yeah. It was. I, I was on oh. spirit. My daughter, <laughs> good, yeah. my daughter got married in Vegas, so she's an honest woman now. Um, so we were on Spirit Airlines, <laughs> and I was surrounded by a whole family of people <laughs> that were all yelling back and forth <laughs> over my head and stuff. Were they your and family? They, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say that kind of. Stuff. I don't think we were flying no, this weekend, we so I think it yeah. couldn't have been us this time. Yeah, so, so then one of the aunties decided to tell me a couple jokes, you know, so, but that that was kind of oh scary, yeah. So anyway. Um, Did you have a lot of every, people? There, the plane was packed. There was no social distancing, <laughs> but we all mm-hmm. had our masks. Um, oh, every no, time really? somebody called. Yeah, I think everybody was nervous <laughs> every time somebody said. <laughs> you know. um, did they, but, wait, were they, they weren't enforcing the masks? Oh, heck yeah. 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 Over your nose. Oh, and your mouth. Even in Vegas. So even in Vegas, everybody. What about yeah. Vegas? What was that like? They it was so many people. I was like really shocked. Yeah. They were. Really? Yes, it was a lot. Wow. Was was everything was everything open? Well, no, they didn't wow. have shows. They didn't have you any know, shows. I, they or they anything. came out with a. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. This I think the yeah. CDC came out with a thing today that said traveling in an airplane is actually safer, COVID yeah. wise, than like being in a grocery store or being in a restaurant. Yeah, because the yeah. air so I think you're good. Yeah, because they said that if they filtered the air. Oh, yeah. They filter out, you know, like such a good percentage of the germ that you're going to be good, Nora. So you're yeah. A-OK. Yeah. So I, when did you, you know, get I'm back? Good. When did you get um, back? I got back early Sunday morning. You know, they're three hours behind us. So I'm still oh. trying to play catch up. Oh. So I got back in Detroit at like 530 in the morning. We left Vegas at like 10, oh, wow. 1040, something like that. Their time, which was like one o'clock our time. We got back at like 5.30 our time. <laughs> and then I went to my daughter's house, jumped in the car and oh, drove dear. home. So I got home like about seven. Then I had to be at work at like six o'clock that wow. evening. Oh, so have and you gotten then, any rest? Oh, gosh. Maybe at yeah. work that night? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, 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 find, I feel like I've caught up. But Terry said I was really snoring this morning. So maybe I have it. <laughs> 
<laughs> did, you, did you tell Terry nobody asked for his opinion? Yeah, <laughs> I, I will. I'll uh, pass that on. So, to him. Nora. Yeah. You, I heard you had some. I heard you had some unexpected <laughs> visitors when you got home. Yeah, a, a young kid crashed into my sun porch while I was sitting in the family room on my couch with his car. <laughs> yeah. He came through two. Oh my God. He came through two. He came off of Atherton, that... Atherton Road and he crossed the median and came through two of my neighbors t- through their backyard and my son porch stopped him. So, yeah. Oh, what time boom. was this? Did he make it? Boom. <laughs> what time was this, Nora? It was about five o'clock on Monday. Yeah. In the morning or oh, at night? My. In in the evening, and he jumped out of the car. I thought he was dead. At, well, at first I thought because I live by a train, so I thought the train blew up and shook the house. That's what I thought at first. Wow. Oh and then I stood God. up and looked out, and my sunroom is all like scrunched up like an accordion. And he jumps out of the car and he goes, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was texting." Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was just glad he wasn't dead, yeah. you know. But that I, was the longest he text messages of all time. That's what to I make said. it through two backyards <laughs> and then hit a port. And yeah, who that was wasn't just a, I'm on my way home for dinner text. No, that right. was uh, <laughs> that was. Why aren't you calling me? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he ran so over, he was okay. Yeah, he ran over the neighbor's riding lawnmower that he just purchased like a year ago. So he he oh, killed that. Oh no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all the debris, all the debris that he picked up from both yards is now in my yard. So, yeah. So they had to people come over to collect their stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's all mangled. So, no, it's just in my yard. Oh, Nora, my how old is this young man? Well, he looked like he might have been maybe 17. He said he's been driving for seven months. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. So they had to, they had to cut, the wrecker had to cut my other fence to pull the car out. (gasps) Yeah. Did his his parents, his mom or his dad or somebody show up? His mom did. I didn't. She didn't talk to me, but, you know, I my husband talked to her. Um, Yeah, they did have insurance. So and that was good. So, yeah. Oh, my God. He's lucky that he ended up in your yard. Somebody so forgiving because another person would have torched him. (laughs) Everybody, everybody (laughs) said that. They would have been like, I should be expecting you here tomorrow to clean all this up (laughs) and fix my porch. (laughs) He's lucky he ended up in somebody's. Yeah, everybody's such a kind person. They're they're all saying they want to kill him. So it's like, you know. I, I'm just yeah. so ready for this year to be over. I don't want an extra hour because, you know, yeah. we have to fall. Yeah. We have to fall back Sunday, right? Yeah. <laughs> need You're going to refuse to turn day forward. Back. She's going to yeah. get to 2021 faster than I, I don't want any of it. So, yeah. It that, is a yeah. crazy time. It really oh, is. Crazy. We're so glad you're okay, though. I am, too. So glad Thank you, guys. Okay too. Yeah, yeah me, right. too. Yeah. Me too. I, you know what? That, that's a good point. I guess if you don't want uh, any extra time this year, don't change your clock. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. That's my plan. That's my plan. 2021, an yeah. hour before the rest of yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> let us know if 2021 is any better. Yeah. Okay? No, we'll so next year, if it's going to be, we're going to take the extra hour. So Jackie, you so let us know if it's any better when you get there. What? Well, next Wednesday, I'll be on at 11. What? okay you go ahead all right well we have some very special people here today so let's uh let's get ready here Nora let's get ready this segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen they set goals overcame obstacles and turned setbacks into comebacks their stories are unique interesting, and most of all, inspiring. 
Beautiful Lily Furno would have celebrated her 12th birthday this year, but she was taken from the world at just two and a half years old by the brutal hands of her stepmother. The death of a child undoubtedly is the ultimate tragedy. There is no end for a grieving family. There's no moving on in time doesn't heal. The pain lasts forever. This week, we hear from two amazing, strong ladies, Lauren Furno, Lily's mother, and Lynette Furno, Lily's grandmother. While the search for meaning in Lily's death may never be understood, the ladies, along with Chico, Lily's grandfather, and Michael, Lily's uncle, are on a mission to save other children and families from the pain and suffering caused by abuse. They're here today to share their story of how they turned their tragedy into activism. Welcome to the Nooner Show, Lauren and Lynette. Welcome. 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 Thanks Welcome. for being here. Thank you for having us. Your lighting is great. So yeah, y'all <laughs> You guys have the Zoom thing down here. As you can tell, we struggle with it all the time. Um, Lauren, let's start with you. Tell us about the organization Justice for Lily. What does it represent? What does it do? What's the mission? Um, So we started Justice for Lily right after Lily passed away, which will be 10 years on the 20th. And... um, it, we wanted to create awareness of child abuse and tell Lily's story in hopes that it will save somebody else and make somebody else speak up um, for abused children because there were so many people that turned a blind eye to Lily's abuse and um, could have saved her and could have spoke up and didn't. So um, our goal is by telling her story and by getting out there and showing people to cherish your children um, because you don't know what's going to happen that it may save somebody else. It may make somebody say, I don't want that to happen to my niece, my nephew, my grandchild, my my friend's kid, and make them speak up and be that voice that Lily didn't have. Um, so we, throughout the year, plan events to help bring families together while sharing Lily's story and creating that awareness and also helping abused and neglected foster children. What kind of events do you guys do? Um, So every year on her birthday, or I'm sorry, at the end of April, because April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, um, we have a giant, we call it the Lily Ball, which is kind of like an adult prom. And um, we have people come out and we have a silent auction, DJ photo booth. Um, We have a catered dinner, drinks, Mm -hmm. everything to get people out and share her story and raise money for our uh, um, biggest giveaway event at Christmas time. And this year we had to cancel it. So we actually had it last um, two weekends ago. We did it virtually. Um, So it kind of put a a damper in our spending for this Christmas, but we're not going to let these kids go without. Um, We also hold um, movie nights. We, um, what else do we hold? I can't think right now. We do our angel bursary, which isn't a fundraiser, but every year on our angel bursary, we light candles, sing her favorite Christmas carols because she loved Christmas so much. And we um, light up the tree that was donated in her memory. And this year we're trying to sell 18,265 lights to represent the children that have passed away from child abuse since Lily died. Um, so we're selling all those lights to try to lay them out on the lawn when we do that and show the impact of how many kids that really is. 18,000? 18,265. Oh, oh, is that, wow. is that wow. nationwide? <clears throat> nationwide or worldwide? So five, that's going off of, we did the average of five children every day and how many days she's been gone. So we... We figured it out that way. So, yeah, on average, five children die every day of child abuse, which I'm sure with COVID and people being home and not being around other people that could speak up for them or having that safe place of school to go to, um, I'm sure that we're going to eventually, when they do the statistics, those numbers are going to go up, unfortunately. Um, but as of right now, that was the, the number that the average is five children. Now, when you say you're selling lights, what exactly does that mean? So we are, um, 
we're going to purchase like uh, the curtain lights and each light on there we sell for a dollar. So our goal is to make $18,265 to go towards the foster children. Um, but we're going to purchase the curtain lights and we'll lay them out on the lawn or somehow display them so that everybody can see how many kids that really is. But we have, our, we call them Lily lights on our website that people can go wow. and purchase a little light and, we figured we have 110,000 followers on our Facebook page or over 110,000 mm-hmm. tenth of them, even less than that. Do just one mm-hmm. like them. We'll It'd make be easy. Goal. Yeah. So. so, so they can go on the website and purchase the lights, right? Yep. yep. So okay. we just, um, the other day released our angel bursary shirt each year on our angel bursary. And, um, Around her birthday, we do Lily shirts, which I have the exclusive one from the ball on. Mom has the Christmas one from a couple years ago. And um, so we just did um, released her tenure. And then we also did a package where if you get the shirt and um, the package deal, you're purchasing 10 Lily lights along with it. So we are taking orders for those till Friday. So we're hoping to get a lot of Lily lights sold with that, too. So it's a different shirt every year. Yep. It's a different shirt. So okay. so how do you get the design? Who who does all of that? Do you do that? So I go on custom ink and I kind of plug in what I want and oh, okay. It looks like a kindergartner did it and then I send it to our um <laughs> printer and they make it all pretty and make okay. it powerful and um do Ooh. their magic. Um so we're very lucky to have a local business that we work with. Uh- that does mm-hmm. all of that for us and um, provides all of our shirts. So, Lauren, tell us about Lily. Um, Lily was born on May 14, 2008. And um, I was in college at the time. And um, I just did not expect to be pregnant and un- unmarried and all of that. But I loved her from the moment that I found out I was having her. And when she was born, I just, it was the most wonderful feeling holding her. I, I love my parents and love my family more than anything, but it was a different kind of love. And Mm -hmm. um, she was perfect. And when she was nine days old, I was served with custody papers from her father um, saying that he wanted week on week off custody. And up to those nine days, he had maybe seen her two or three times and um, didn't seem like he was very interested. And so I was terrified to let her go for week on week off. So we went to court and fought it. And um, we got the world's worst judge. Um, He tore me up and down on the stand saying that I was obsessed with her because I would call at night to see how her day went. Um, He said that. I should have never breastfed her if I wanted to be a single mom, which I didn't want to be a single mom. Um, he said I should the have. Judge not- said that? The judge said that. Yeah. Oh my God. The judge said that? The judge? Yeah. She said, wow. wow. And then um, here at my I've heard science that contradicts everything that that's. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what is that? What does that even have to like? Yeah. Why would he have the right to say? that kind of stuff. But anyway, go ahead with your story. Well, to, to go on with that, he, her father had admitted on the stand cause I would pump and send the milk with her. So she was getting the same thing at both places. And he said he didn't feel like doing it. So he was just throwing it away. Um, and so I stopped sending it and just came to the realization she wasn't going to get that there. Um, and I would donate it to babies that needed it. But the judge also said um, that I needed to, uh, I was in my last semester up at Central, and then I had to do um, like an internship. And he told me that I needed to quit college and get a job um, to support my child. He told me, wow, um, we had expert witnesses saying that this was going to be detrimental to Lily. Uh, We had an infant mental health specialist and a child psychologist saying that this is not okay. And he deemed them experts, but then in his closing statement said, um, you can pay them or you can pay an expert to say anything. I take their uh, testimony with a grain of salt. This, so, this was the judge that made that statement? Mm-hmm. 
was this a judge that you had you you had knowledge of or you knew a bit about his history and and uh, previous rulings or this was all new to you at this point we didn't really know much about him um our we just it was going in there it was we thought we were going to be okay because we had all of this evidence of him partying and doing drugs and the fact that he got married nine days before the court case um, to make himself look stable. We thought that he was setting himself up for what looked like a open and shut case that we would get custody. And then the judge ruled that he, when I was sitting on the stand, I remember I was crying and he said, what would you do if I just handed full custody over to him? And I said, I would be devastated. And he's like, well, that's too bad. Oh my God. He, uh, he said, oh, if I didn't oh. hand her over that he's thrown mothers in jail for less. And, um, when we brought up the drinking and the drugs, he said, he looked at him and said, you're married now. Right. And he said, yes. And he said, so you're done with that. And he said, yes. And he's like, okay, no more questions about that. So because he got married mm-hmm. nine days before that made him give up all of that bad stuff that he was doing. So, oh my God. At and the end of the day, he handed him custody um, Monday at six to Thursday at six. And then he also got the third weekend of the month. He got 9 a.m. on Saturday to Sunday at six. So basically it was pretty much almost 50, 50 custody. Mm-hmm. And what was your attorney at this time advising? Um, so the original attorney, he was, um, he was a mess and, um, we had been told to hire him and uh, we had like 15 pages of documents of questions that he had asked me to get me prepared. And then when he got up there, he was just like stumbling through everything. And I'm, I, oh. my dad is not somebody that gets mad. And on one of the recesses, oh. he um, said, what are you doing? And he like was up in his face and I was like, dad, like, calm down. We need him to represent us the rest of the time. He's like, he's not doing anything. Um, but it was just, it was just a mess. And, um, we just, it it was awful. It was like, I was living a nightmare and I wasn't being listened to. And I was looked at like, I was this horrible person and I wasn't. And I think part of the reason why he looks at mothers like that is because there's so many people that, take their kids into court and say, this is what's happening. And it's not happening just to get back Mm -hmm. in their ex. And Mm -hmm. it it messes with people like me that actually were terrified to send my kid to her dad's house. And um, there was, I, I mean, it's awful. It's, I just, I'm so sorry. I I can't even, I can't even imagine. It's just, so after that, um, She had to go to his house for that time. And then um, in April of 2010, she came home and she had a burn mark on her neck. And I um, asked him what happened. And he said that they were outside and it was like a small circle. So it looked like a cigarette burn. Um, And I asked him what happened. And he said they were outside doing a bonfire and a spark flew and got stuck in the hood of her sweatshirt and burnt her. And so there was nothing prior to that. And I just believed him. And um, then she started coming home with more bruises and cuts and uh, Mm -hmm. she was under two. And then we heard from somebody that she was found two streets down in the trailer park before her second birthday um, while the stepmother was passed out on the couch. And we were just hearing all of these things, but Mm -hmm. nobody was willing to step up. And um, the people that, were willing to step up like me and my family. We couldn't, we were unreliable because we can make things up. And so, um, so by no one stepping up, are you saying like the neighbors or the people that people from his neighborhood or that had witnessed some of this, um, friends and family? Yeah. Friends and his friends and, um, his family and also um, his, I begged his parents because most of the time when we would meet for pickups and drop-offs, it was them that was picking her up and dropping her off a lot. And I said to them, like, what's going on? Why does she have so many bruises? And they said, what bruises? We didn't see anything. 
I said, she had 22 on her body at one point. How did you not see those? And they, they just said, we didn't see anything. And, um, they just kept doing that. I mean, she came home. I got a phone call from Renee, who was Jeff's wife. And she said, she was hysterically crying. And she said there was an accident that, um, she was mopping the bathroom floor and Lily came in and fell and hit her eye on the corner of something. Mm. And that's this picture. You can't really tell, but this is a black eye. Like Mike Tyson had Mm. hit her. Um, and then, uh, so they allowed me to come see her and they said they got her checked out and she was okay. And then a couple weeks later, she got another black guy. And when I asked what happened, they said that Renee's back was bad and her hip gave out and she fell on her in the sprint store. So when you would ask Lily what happened, she'd say, Renee fell on me in the sprint store. And she was two years old. She wouldn't know what store she was in. So finally, um, November 17th, I um, told them, I called because she came home with more bruises. And I said, what happened this time? And they said, Renee answered. And she said, um, actually, she called me because I texted. I'm sorry. And um, she said, oh, I was sore. So I was laying on the couch from my fall. And they were in the bedroom. And they were playing with toys. And they fell off. And Lily hit her back on the bed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take her to the doctor tomorrow to see what's going on, why she's bruising so easily. Um, And she said, you know what? Can you also ask why she's pooping her pants? I said, she doesn't poop her pants. She says she does here. And I said, okay. And she said, do you uh, sleep in bed with your boyfriend? And I said, Renee, it's none of your business, but I don't have a boyfriend. I said, I want every second that I have with Lily, I want to spend with her. I'm not wasting it on anybody else. And she said, well, Lily says that you sleep in bed with your boyfriend and he touches your privates while she's in bed with you. And I said, no, that does not happen. And um, so she agreed that the custody arrangement needed to change and I let her go. And, um, and then the next day we went, or the next day I called or I got her back the next day on the 18th. And then the 19th, I called the doctor and they were closed. So I said, when I get her back on Monday, I'm going to take her to the doctor. And we went to Walmart and um, she picked out a toy to donate to Toys for Tots. And um, she was so excited when she went outside and put it in the box. And uh, the Marine that was standing there shook her hand and said, thank you. And she got a big smile on her face. And then we went home. And I dressed her in a red princess dress and um, took her Christmas pictures. And then we fell asleep on the couch watching Toy Story. And I can remember waking up that night and saying, like, just thanking God that I was her mom. And I just would stare at her. And she just, she was the most amazing little girl. She had such a passion for life and for everything she was she would always ask everybody hi what's your name and where's your mom and she loved church we would go to church together and she um sat next to we sat next to this lady um one time I'm sorry and um she was probably 85 and Lily sat next to her and she goes hi what's your name where's your mom and I'm like oh that to elderly people but um she just, she loved it and she would run down the aisle on Christmas and yell happy birthday, Jesus. And she loved glee and music. I, I swear she was going to be a rock star one day. Cause she just loved singing and going to my brother's concerts and yeah. she just loved life. She was a perfect little girl. Um, but we just, funny. you she went, what happened on the, tell us about the day, November 20th. Um, so November 20th, we woke up and she was downstairs eating Lucky Charms with my dad and she would eat the marshmallows and then give him the rest. And um, <laughs> I started getting her around because it was his weekend. And she had tears in her eyes and said, what are we doing? And I said, I didn't answer because I couldn't and um, she knew and I got her dressed and my dad always drove and I sat in the back seat with her and 
she asked if Barney could come back to her next birthday. And I told her that he would. And um, she asked if we could go to Splash Village. And I said, when there was snow on the ground and she had tears rolling down her face. And I said, I, I promise, honey, there will be a day that you don't have to go. And um, we got to the, the drop off. He changed it that day. And um, it was at a gas station and he got out of his car and I got her out and she was crying saying, please don't make me go. And I said, I'm sorry, honey. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I gave her a kiss and um, I handed her over and he stood there for a second, which he never did. He usually just turned and walked away. And um, he handed her back to me and said, give mommy one more kiss. And so I took her and I said, I love you, baby. I'll see you tomorrow. And he turned around and walked away and she was kicking and screaming, trying to get back to me. And I left and whenever I didn't have her, I tried to get everything done that I, I needed to. So that I could spend all my time with her. So I went to um, Walmart and I was uh, shopping and um, my mom and dad had just gotten up to Menards up north they were on their way to our cabin in Kalkaska and they said um sent me this picture of a giant um princess stocking a three foot one and said start stocking stuffer shopping so I was in the stocking stuffer aisle and I looked down at my phone and it was him and I answered it and he said there's been an accident to get to the Macomb hospital right away and uh I left my cart and I sped walked to the car and I'm like done done sending her done just done with all of this she's never going back I I thought it was a broken arm or broken leg and so I called my mom and she told me to meet my uncle at my house she didn't want me driving by myself so I literally jumped out of or he jumped out of his car and jumped into mine and we left and it was rush hour traffic and he kept calling saying where are you and it was Macomb so it was an hour and a half away and um he would hang up on me every time that I'd ask what was wrong. And she, uh, so after like the fourth hang up, I finally called the hospital and I said, my daughter's there. I said, her father won't tell me what's going on. Can you please tell me her name's Lily? And she put me on hold for a second and she came back and she said, I don't want to tell you this over the phone, but it's bad and you need to get here. They've been back there for, over an hour and she has no pulse. And I can remember just handing my phone to my cousin in the back seat, who was 10 at the time and saying, please call everyone and pray because I couldn't make those phone calls anymore. And I got to the hospital and he was standing outside and my uncle had to park the car. So I was just standing there with him and I said, is she okay? And he said, no. And I said, is she alive? And he said, no. And I can remember at that point, like, my whole world, like, ended. Because she was everything. She was all my hopes, all my dreams. Everything was just gone. And I uh, went back to the room that they put me in. And um, his parents were in there. And my uncle came in. And the doctor came in and he said, I'm so sorry. We tried everything we could, but we couldn't bring her back. And uh, they didn't know. And I heard them screaming. And all I can remember is looking at the wall and I was so numb and crying. And then my family started arriving and it just was awful. And then my mom and dad got there and I can remember that they always made everything better. And I just wanted them to make this better. And they couldn't. And they tried their hardest. But then the detective came in and she, my mom was in there with me. And she said, uh, what clothes was Lily wearing that morning? And I told her and she said, what, what underwear? And I said, I think Dora. And she said, uh, was there blood when you, did you help her wipe that morning? And I said, yeah. And she said, was there blood? And I said, no. And I looked at my mom and she said, why are you asking this? And they said that right before Lily died, she was severely sexually abused and torn. Oh 
hole to hole. And to know I wasn't there and I couldn't stop it is still something that I live with every single day. That I should have ran faster. I should have. And over the last 10 years, we have people that say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you run? And it's something that looking back now, I wish I would have done things differently, but I did everything that I could do. And yes, you did. You did everything you could do. I still have that guilt. And, but the hardest, one of the hardest parts was going into our house that was full of people when we got home to be there for us. And I'm so thankful for all of them, but I didn't want to even go in the home because the person that made that house a home was never coming home. And it was when the priest at her funeral said, God didn't do this. Evil did it. And you have a purpose to go on and help other children. And I left that funeral with a sort of peace that with Lily and God by my side, everything was going to be okay. And I'm not saying there hasn't been hard days because there's been many hard days and we're approaching those hard days fast. And um, I just, I mean, we go through every single one of those moments leading up to that. And um, I can remember closing one of the hardest things of letting her go was closing her casket. She had a beautiful pink casket and she looked so pretty. She had that red princess or that red Christmas dress on and her black sparkly shoes. And um, I had the bow that I had had for her, but um, because of her 20 blows to the head, she couldn't wear the bow. She had to wear a um, Santa hat with a princess crown that my aunt had got her. And she just looked so beautiful. And uh, all of my cousins and family members, we all put things in there. And we put lippies because she loved lip gloss. We put um, pictures and a book that I read, one of those recordable books. And um, my uncle put $100 in because he gave her $100 to buy a bunny that summer so that she could buy a bunny in heaven. And just... um. When we all put our hand on the casket, that was the hardest part because I knew I'd never see her again. So, but I, I honestly think my family and all of the supporters and justice for Lily has saved me because it's like we're able to keep Lily alive by sharing her story, sharing her memories, sharing her pictures, and just having an army of people around us that are willing to fight in her legacy and just my goal is for her her story to be shared long after I'm gone and her legacy to be shared. Wow. We are so sorry. This is just horrible. Um, It is amazing what you guys have done since then. And you know, part of the show is to understand how people not move on because I, I know you, you never move on, but um, Lynette, I'm going to gear this to you because um, we, we've known you guys for a long time. And I remember when it happened and just remember Lynette watching how you just sort of like transformed from just the happy-go-lucky mom that I knew that used to volunteer at all the choir um, events and everything else. And it just seemed like you had some kind of superpower that just uh, you were taking care of your family, you you were taking care of Lauren, um, but you were also a grandmother mourning, and yet you were on such a mission to fight for justice. Where did that strength come from? How did you, how did you do that? Because tragedy does break up a lot of families Mm -hmm. and you just somehow 
put your arms around everybody and pulled everybody together. And while you guys were mourning, you were also fighting for justice. And then you were help creating, figuring out how you're going to help other people. How, where did that strength come from, Lynette? Um, I'm God is the only one because, uh, until you're in that situation, you just, you just don't know. I mean, I knew that with everything that happened, it wasn't just that I lost my granddaughter because I also lost a part of my daughter, a part of my son and a part of my husband that, you know, I just, we were all went through this together. It wasn't just me, but we were all, all in it together. And because, you know, a lot of people say, well, I would have, I wouldn't let these people get away with it. Well, you don't have a choice because if anybody were to do anything, then where would that, where would I be? You know, if I were to do something to change that and make them pay, I wouldn't be with Lily again. And it's the same thing, you know, like with all of us, but the strength, it just comes from prayers. It's something that I don't even, I didn't even think about. And I still don't think about because you just do it. It just, you have to, because, you know, these are, I will do anything for my family. Yeah. Did, did you question your faith at all? Did this, um, did you get mad at God? For a very, very short time. I don't know that Lauren ever did. I don't think she ever did. But just a short time. But then it was him that got us all through. I think you, you questioned him the day of yeah. that morning. because you. Put, oh, I did. I'm sorry. When, when, when they left that morning, I, I could never go. I couldn't handle it. So you talk about being strong. No, that wasn't me because I was the one that stayed home because I couldn't handle watching her be that way. But I remember that day they walked out into the garage and they got in the car and I went into the bathroom and I just screamed up at God. And I said, why, why are you making her go through this? Please give me a sign. And then this happened. And that was, that was the time that I really did ask why. I think that we more so questioned why, why it happened to us, why, why our family. I know Mm -hmm. that I, and I think you too, like we, we leaned on God because we knew that he, no matter what the detectives and the doctors say, we know that God was there and took Lily away before she felt all of that pain. Um, And we have to believe that. And I think that knowing that he was there and he did take her and um, that just, I mean, I can't, I can't blame him because God gives us all free will to do what we want. And Renee chose to take her free will and take Lily's life that day. And I, I mean, my mom's been my strength and she was just there all the time. And she was there for all of us. And it was just, I could not have done this with a different family. I could not have done it with a different support group. Um, And she is the strong one because she was always there holding me when I, I couldn't be strong and I don't I remember her crying when she found out but I don't I don't remember her ever putting her grief before any of us and that was she held our family not that our family was going to be broken but she held us all together and made us stronger so at what point is is you know the trials, uh, you know, we saw all the press conferences, all the media, the investigation. How did you guys decide that you were going to do something um, that was going to help other kids? Like who thought of that? How, what, how did you come up with that? So I think um, early on, it was the funeral when the priest said, uh, God didn't do this evil, did Mm. this and that we had a purpose to go on. And I can remember like, I can remember being at the viewing the night before and looking up because I stood by the casket with my dad. And I can remember asking him, who is this? Who is this? Cause I was in a zombie mode and he would tell me, and I can remember looking up at one point and there was not a seat 
and not a standing room space that anybody could be in because it was just packed. And to know that she created that legacy in her two years of life. Um, and then at the on the way to the cemetery, looking back, and you couldn't see the end of the cars. Just knowing how many people she had touched. Um, she had we had officer friends that said the the funeral procession was three and a half miles long. Um, and to know that in her short life she touched that many people, so we knew that we had this support system that could could make this go and make a difference. And um, a lot of the events that we do and things we put on, it helps us in our grief process. The Christmas, I can tell you right now, I'm not looking forward to Thanksgiving because we always are the people that go shopping because Thanksgiving is a reminder of the day after we buried her. Um, So this year we're trying to find things to do and, this part of the year is hard because it's we're starting our last with her and you live those moments. And then also we didn't have her that Thanksgiving. We didn't have her that Christmas. Those are very hard. So when doing an angel Lily Christmas and helping the foster children, that keeps us busy and keeps our, our mind going. And then at the end of it, it's kind of like, wow, we're, we're exhausted. <laughs> but we, we think about all of the kids that will wake up on Christmas morning because of Lily and feel the magic that she brought to this world. So it was, we started the t-shirts right after she died was the original t-shirt. And that was our first awareness campaign. And then throughout trial, I think I spoke at high schools and colleges. Um, And then after the trial is when we started planning a lot of our events um, and going on Dr. Phil and, all of that to try to reach as many people as possible. Right. It's kind of been going on since the funeral pretty much. And uh, we've just had this army of people that has gotten us through these last 10 years and I'm hoping we'll get us through the rest of them. So. Well, I admire both of you because I don't know if Amazing. I would have had the strength to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm mad and I'm sad all at the same time. And, you know, I, what happened to this judge? Is he, yeah, what's going on with him? That's, so you, you know. You can't sue a judge. You have to sue. Yeah. So you can't get a judge off you the bench. You just you can't. You have to go to the Judicial Tenure Commission. And they in did. Which mm-hmm. did. And they came back with a letter that said, you know, we didn't find anything wrong. Wow. So then we, uh. Um, I remember afterwards, you know, we weren't afraid of him anymore because we already lost everything we could lose. So we would go and we would pick it to get him off the bench. And I would, I would go sit in his courtroom with my justice for Lily shirt on and just letting him know that I was sitting there and I didn't have to keep my mouth shut anymore. So if he made a bad ruling, I was going to social media with it because I wasn't afraid of him anymore. And after picketing and, and doing things, you know, and we would have, we would have attorneys calling and saying, Hey, I, uh, I have this case. Can you go sit in? So it's not just us, everybody, you know, that encountered him knew that there was, you know, it was, it was, it was Higgins law. It was Higgins law. That was the name. There was a law. And then there was Higgins law and he did what he wanted to do. It didn't matter if it was right or wrong. And Mm -hmm. so he finally took an early retirement. Um, and he was, he's off the bench. So in looking back, exploring his pet, his previous cases, had he made similar rulings? This was, Oh yes. Oh, for years. Well, this was by far the worst outcome, but it wasn't the worst rulings that, that he did. I mean, I don't know that I can say some of the stuff that he did, but um, it's, it's, we're just very thankful he is off the bench because there are a lot of children that are. Thank God. He's right. 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 So, right. you know, my question was, so there was a history when looking back, there was a history of rulings that this was his ruling pattern. Right. But yep. we didn't know that at the time. Oh, no, 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 no. You had no way of. And I had, I had taken the transcripts after the custody hearing to a friend of mine who gave them to a different judge. And he read them and he said, you need to take this to the court of appeals. I have never mm-hmm. spoken to anyone in my courtroom like this. Well, we had already remortgaged our house. We couldn't afford to go any farther. 
So we, we weren't able to take it to the court of appeals. Oh, wow. Tell us a, ha- tell us a, a happy, yeah. funny memory or a, a, something that keeps your heart happy when thinking of Lily, either one of you. So she, she just always loved just singing and dancing around the house. I have so many videos. Mom used to yell at me because her camera was always full, like thousands of pictures. And she's like, Lauren, can you take a picture? But now after she passed, she was like, I'm so thankful you took all of those. Um, She just would get so excited, especially with music. Um, She just loved it. And we would go to all Michael's concerts and she would just that's my dodo. That's my dodo. Like just, (laughs) it was, he loved her to death and um, he still sings for her every year. Um, She, like I said earlier, she loved church. And um, I think one of my favorite memories was we were leaving church and there's a statue outside of the church for all the victims of abortion, all the babies that were aborted. And she said, what is that mommy? And I said, that's just for all the babies that are in heaven that, um, um, I forgot what I, I that their mommies didn't have them. And she said, but you had me. And I said, yes, I did. And she said, she handed me her doll and she said, thank you, mommy. And she went over to the statue and prayed and like just her love for all people and everything like she would have changed this world and she um, is and she is <laughs> mm-hmm. and she is yes yeah. just every I, day she loved through you, through you and your mom it's it's changing and we appreciate you guys for doing what yeah, you're doing because you it would be so hard i don't know if i could do really it really right. yeah we we it's could do it like we have a very large team of people that we call them our Lily committee and they are just, I don't think other than family in there, I don't think any of them met Lily. Um, and it's just oh, to wow. know these people out there that are sharing her story that have never met her and that are willing to put in the hours. And the, I mean, there's during Christmas time, we put in 14 to 16 hour days that were, stuffing bags for these kids and they never met her they don't have to do this we do it because she's our family and we loved her more than anything but they don't have to do that and we just we just have this group of people that's amazing and um we're just so lucky and they all every time that we share something about lily they say thank you for sharing her with us and her her memories it's like we did get to know her and the video she just Everything that her uncle Michael did, she had to do. He would pick his nose to play around. She would pick her nose. He'd put underwear on her put underwear on her head. Like and just she was gonna be a, a Chippewa. She would walk around the house saying, Go fire up chips and we just had so many hopes and dreams that were shattered in an instant, but I just hope that she's up there proud of what her life has done. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many followers do you guys have, or members or do you, does Justice for Lily have now? I think we have 110,000 likes and like 118,000 followers. So, wow, that's amazing. And that's, a, more, but, and that's nationwide, right? Uh, worldwide. We worldwide. Wow. To France and Australia and New Zealand. We have Lily shirts being represented around the world. Um, wow. It's it's amazing. And then all over the country, there's a lot more than around the world, but it's wonderful to to know people are supporting. Tell, tell us about, I do have a quick oh, question. Go I'm ahead. Interject. Yeah. Um, how has, how have the laws been impact, impacted and how have they changed? Because I remember when this happened and how, lax the laws mm-hmm. were against child abuse and against uh pedophilia and all of and sexual abuse in general how lax the laws are are they still that way or has that changed there's been a couple of laws that have been created um to help children but it is still 
it's the luck of the draw. It's kind of who your judge is, um, whether these children will be listened to. And it's also, like I said before, people need to stop lying when they go to court because it's so hard to prove child abuse. It's a little bit, I think, easier to prove sexual abuse, but they're not we've had cases come to us that they don't listen, even when there is proof, when there are five-year-olds with an STD, when there are bruises all over their body. We had so many people say after, like, if you would have came to us, we don't think we could have done anything. And that needs to change. I mean, the fact that my daughter had bruises all over her body and people are saying even afterwards, a couple organizations said, "Mm, we couldn't have done anything. Why? Why is that okay? Why can't organizations that specialize in child abuse help a child that has black eyes and 22 bruises on her body? Like it's, it's because our court systems aren't listening and they try so hard. And I'm not saying that in some cases it's not beneficial, but we need to stop putting children back in homes of the abusers. Um, (laughs) In most cases, the people can put a good face on and, and just hide it. And it's just, it's our courts need to change a lot and the laws need Mm -hmm. to change to protect our children. But also on the other end of it, people need to stop fabricating things just because they're, they're mad at their ex or they're mad at whoever it is. That that's clustering up our system with things that aren't real and not protecting the kids that are actually being used. Yeah. So what can people do to, to help with that change? What can citizens do? Is it voting? Is it uh, petitioning to help create stronger laws that are protecting children and putting in place like systems that don't allow mm-hmm. that kind of um, abuse where if, it, if a child is coming into you know court more than once, and I've, I even heard this from nurses a lot Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. they see repeat, you know, pediatric Mm -hmm. nurses will see kids more than once. And they are like, this child is being abused to the point where they've even had called social workers and they still get placed back in those situations. Mm -hmm. So what can people do to kind of get involved? Is there, you know, petitions and things like that, that they can be a part of to spread more awareness? I think that people need to, first of all, keep their eyes open. Um, So many people want to sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's not real. And it is real. And if one person would have kept their eyes open and actually spoke up for Lily, things may have ended up differently. Um, I think one of the things that is not important when we're looking at political candidates is what their view is on child abuse and what they're going to do to try to make it a little bit less. Um, I know that there's been judges that we've confronted and asked them, where their stance is on it. And I think it's important that we ask the, the candidates for judges, especially because they're going to be the ones that make the ultimate decision when it comes to our children, what they're going to do with child abuse. Um, if they have cases in front of them, um, I think that laws need to change. I think um, the more people that fight for laws, our, our goal is to one day put a law into effect to affect um, to make certain people, um, mandated reporters. There are certain people that we could, that I think that if people were to speak up, then we, we could make a difference. And that's the biggest thing is making sure that when you speak up, you don't stop. And one thing that's different now than was back then, we had social media back then but we didn't have it as prevalent as it is now. And I think that that is something that we have on our side is if you continue to go at it and you continue to get no and door slammed in your face, put it on social media. The social media world shares the crap out of stuff Mm -hmm. and -hmm. we'll get it done. And I think that that's, that's something that when all else fails, when you've tried the police, when you've tried the doctors, when you've tried the court system and it's not working, it's time to turn it to the media and let them do something about it. And that's sad that we have to turn things into the media to get something done. But sometimes that's all that can, that can help that child. I've seen in many cases where it takes putting it out in the public to make somebody listen. So another thing is, is the way that the laws are written. 
So it's not necessarily always the judge. It's the way that the laws are written. So the, the way that the laws are written need to be changed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, as far as going about that, I don't know. Um, I think that we need to talk to state representatives and anybody that's in high power in our court systems um, to to reevaluate the way that child abuse laws are. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think do you think that that's something you guys are going to take on? I think eventually we do want to have a Lily's Law, um, and we want to. Mm-hmm. We just need to find somebody that would be willing to help us write something so that people um, know that. I know there was a, right after Lily was killed, Dominic's law went into effect, um, which was where they, if you knew that the child was being abused, you would get prosecuted just like the the abuser would. If Mm -hmm. there was a, a minor in the home that witnessed the abuse, then you get the charge for the child that you abused and the minor. I believe is what it was too, is um, you get two sentences uh-huh. because you are causing abuse to the other child as well. I don't know if that's in effect yet. Wyatt's um, law is another one that yeah. is um, trying to go through. And isn't I heard that, of that one oh, as well? Yeah. yeah, I heard of that too. It's um, just, in, it's really hard. I've met a lot of people that are wonderful and are amazing advocates. It's very hard to get the law into effect but our goal is to one day have a lily's law we're just focusing more on this aspect right now but i think that laws need to change give us an example of a a success story that you guys your organization has had because i know you've had some good success stories where um a child was saved so um mom used to go to court and sit in people's cases and we had to stop doing that because it is like we said the laws need to change and it's it's very hard so we stopped going into court cases because people weren't telling the truth or um it was just it was it was very hard um Mm -hmm. but uh, one of the success cases was right after she died and um, a little boy that had been priorly abused um came up to me at our first event and um had a wooden box that he handed me and it was um, wood burned. I keep wanting to say wood carved wood burned and it had money in it. And he said, I want to donate this to justice for Lily. And I said, thank you. And he said, you saved my life. And I said, I did. And his mom was standing right there and he said, I had my casket picked out my funeral music picked out. Um, He had everything picked out for his funeral, the outfit he was going to wear. And then he saw me, he was going to commit suicide and he saw me on the news crying um, about losing Lily. And he said, I can't do that to my mom. And he joined our fight that day. And he is an amazing young man now. But just knowing that not even a month after Lily died, somebody heard her story and decided they couldn't do that after being traumatized their, through their entire life from abuse that they had when they were a child. Um, and it, that, I think that's important, too, is to know that. Mm-hmm. The abuse can stop, but you still live with the effects of it forever. And um, these kids are still traumatized. It's yeah. something they carry with forever. So um, even if you get them out of the situation, they still need help. Um, and it's very, it's very sad. And um, but we are uh, with our April Lily Christmas. We've had kids come in. A sixteen-year-old come in, and she said. Um, she had tears rolling down her face and she said, thank you so much. Um, I am, um, this will be my first Christmas that you guys have, that I've gotten gifts from. And it's just, and that's our biggest Uh, focus is the Christmas, but we've helped throughout the year. Yeah. Well, I hate to do this, but our, our, out of time, we have to have you guys back on. Listen, um, I do want to acknowledge, um, the Hadley Chamber of Commerce, because uh, last week we had our meeting and they generously wrote a check for you guys. So as soon as I see you, Lynette, I'll make sure you get that check for $200 without hesitation. Um, Listen, you guys, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And you're uh, just a, a reminder that humans have a much more power and strength and resilience than we realize. Than we think, right. Uh, so, 
Yeah. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, I know the Nooner show is uh, going to, we sponsored um, some wrapping paper and stuff like that. Um, so thank, you, thank so you for everything you're doing. Thank you for telling the story yes, again. Thank you. Um, I, I, it's just, I, I don't know how you do it all the time. Um, because it's not like you're telling somebody else's story, you're telling your story. Mm-hmm. So um, we commend you guys. It's a great organization. If you're a musician, you want to do some live street fundraisers, uh, you can go on to the justiceforlily.com and you can sign up. John Paul's doing something December 8th. I know Rocky's going to do something. Um, if you don't, uh, if you don't want to do that, donate money, sponsor, kid, whatever. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you guys ladies. so much. Thank, thank you guys for sharing your story and your memories. Thank you. Yes. And guys, yes. for more information, don't forget you can go to uh, the Justice for Lily Facebook page, and then you guys have a website, www.justiceforlily.com. And it is up on our Facebook page as well. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you. That's it. All thank right. You. Bye, guys. Bye. All right, Nora. And remember, sometimes the only mode of transportation available is the leap of faith. Have to keep that leap of faith. (laughs) Have a good week. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.